shall rise to Thee. to serve, to show us who he is. And now we come and we gather and we praise his holy name. Let's continue. In the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, 
in the name of the Spirit, Lord, we come gathered together to lift up your name, to call on our Savior, to fall on your grace. Sing that again. In the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Spirit, Lord, we come gathered together to lift up your name, to call on our Savior, to fall on your grace. Hear the joyful sound of our offering as your saints bow down, as your people sing. We will rise with you, lifted on your wings, and the world will see that our God saves. Our God your name, to call on our Savior, to fall on your grace, hear the joyful
by a people who have been saved by a good God. Wow, I can't think of a, a greater declaration. You know, as I think of this phrase that he turns mourning to dancing, he turns our mourning to rejoicing. We find that in, in Isaiah, that he says that he bestows on us a crown of beauty instead of ashes and the oil of gladness instead of, uh, what is it? Somebody help me. Whatever it is. And then somebody's saying it. And, uh, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. Yeah. This is the hope we find in Jesus. Because the world will offer us a whole lot of counterfeit hope, right? A whole lot of counterfeit security. A whole lot of counterfeit rest, right? A whole lot of counterfeit. But church, it's only in Jesus that we find true hope and true, true change from mourning to rejoicing. Only only, only in Jesus. And I know that if you have raised your hand and testified in that song that we sing that our God saves and that he has turned you from mourning to rejoicing, that it's only because you've cried out in the depths of your soul that you need Jesus. Don't we all? We're going to continue singing, Jesus, I need you. That he is the hope. That he's gone before us. He goes ahead of us. We remember his love and his mercy as we continue to sing out our desperate need for our Savior. Sing with me. Oh, be my anthem. Lord, when the world has fallen quiet, will you stand beside me? You give me the song in the night. Sing this out, church. Jesus, I need you every moment. I need you here now. This grace for your prayer.
bow our hearts, we bend our knees, oh Spirit come make us humble, we turn our eyes from evil things, oh Lord we cast down our idols, sing that again, we bow our hearts, bend our knees oh spirit come make us humble we turn our eyes from evil things oh lord we cast down our idols give us clean hands give us pure fathers or you're here for routine or it's out of habit regardless of what's brought you here bring his presence a wonderful place to be go to him in prayer this morning let's continue to seek him push aside our distractions the things that wait for us this afternoon or the weeks ahead just spend some time in his presence 
Father, it's good to be in your house. It's good to be with you. Pray, Lord, in the midst of this season, it's a good time. A time of traveling, a time of seeing friends, a time of doing fun things, a time of working outside, of getting caught up on projects. Lord, in the midst of those good moments, those busy times, those times of reunion and fellowship with friends, it's easy for us to get distracted. To get out of routine. There's a lot of other things to creep in, get in the way. We're walking with you. Lord, in this place, this morning, in this room and watching us online, people have chosen to worship you meet with us here. Whisper to us. Help us to hear you. Correct us if we need correction. Do we not be afraid of conviction? Encourage the one, Lord, who feels discouraged. Remind the one who feels lonely, God, that they're surrounded by friends and family. A loving Heavenly Father. The ones that are grieving, Lord. Meet with them, hold them. To the one who's anxious about tomorrow, may they be reminded about a God who cares, who's already waiting for them. For the tired, give them strength. For the sick, Lord, I pray for a touch. For the ones struggling with their hope today, their faith, I pray, Lord, that the steps they've taken to come to this place in this moment would be their step that they need to take to you. And Lord, as we read in Scripture, may you go running. We come, Lord, as a mixed bag of people. We're flawed. We're imperfect. You brought us together as a faith family. And Lord, we are here today to worship. Hear us. Receive the, these offerings that we bring. Ooh, we're, we're incomplete. Lord, only in you do we find fulfillment. Father, we just pray in advance for the good you're going to do today. May our hearts, Lord, be rendered before you. May we come, Lord, willing to be obedient, listening not with our ears, Lord, but with our spirits this morning. Would you, Lord, continue the work you've started in us? May we pray. Well, you may not realize it, but uh, today's our anniversary. When I say our anniversary, I mean our anniversary. It was one year ago this weekend that I, I came to be your pastor, and we began this relationship that I hope you're enjoying. Uh, I, I'm enjoying it, uh, so I, I'd like to stick around for year two. Uh, I'd like to re-up for another year, so to speak, so I hope that you do as well. And looking forward to what God is going to do in and through us in, in our time uh, next year this this year ahead i think he's just getting started and i see him i see god building on so much of what this church has been through in the past we recognize we celebrate our yesterdays but it's with our with anticipation we look forward to our tomorrows through him and i'm excited about that but uh, you also may remember that last year during my uh, introductory time with you it was father's day it was probably the first time in probably 20 some years that amy and i both were able to worship with our fathers and all of our children, and I think I'm going to get to see all of my kids even today, so I'm thankful for that, um, I think. I'll let you know later. 
I, I, I'm just kidding. I am thankful for that, just kidding. But I also, my son Eli and I, we had the first, what I hope will become annual, dad joke throwdown. So in honor and keeping that tradition alive, we're going to have round two of our dad joke throwdown. But this year, we brought to you by Eric and Ethan Bates. I'm going to invite them to come now. They're going to share with you their favorite dad jokes as we kick off this Father's Day Sunday. I don't trust steps, so they're always up to something. Um, before I get started, um, I do have one unspoken rule about dad jokes. Oh, man. I tried taking my dog to the park, but the ducks kept biting him. He is a purebred. Why do you see flamingos lift up one leg when you go to the zoo? If they're lifted up two, they'd probably fall. <laughs> what do you call a boomerang that doesn't come back? A stick. <laughs> Asked my dad for a bookmark. He said, man, how do you still not know my name is Eric? Well, as a dad, I'm really good at taking naps. In fact, I can do it with my eyes closed. <laughs> Why do you never see elephants hiding in trees? Because they're really good at it. <laughs> <laughs> do you know why they had to raise the price of air at the gas station? Inflation. Um, did you know Amy can play piano by ear? But it sounds much better when she uses her hands. What do Alexander the Great and Winnie the Pooh have in common? The same middle name. <laughs> I got hit in the head with a pop can. Luckily, it was a soft drink. My dad was very distraught to get his 50th birthday card. He said that one would have been enough. I'm hoping to learn more about ice cream, so I'm going to go to Sunday school later. When does a joke become a dad joke? When it becomes apparent. Well, I was going to have one more. Ryan was going to give me a joke on construction, but he's still working on it. Well, those are pretty good. <laughs> I, heard, I heard a few. That's not even funny <laughs> from, the, from the crowd this morning. No, we hope to do that every year. We're already working on next year. I think everybody loves a good dad joke. A few of you love them so much you gave me a couple books. I don't know whether that's because of the jokes I told last year stunk or because you just really wanted to share. I don't know. But I'm going to tell you a story today. I'm trying to prime the pump a little bit. I've been praying about this service for a number of weeks. I got to put this on my heart, pray you receive it as it's intended, you allow the spirit to move and to work. True story, story that I'm kind of in the middle of, kind of could be a little bit embarrassing, but I choose to laugh at it, and it happened about 20 years ago. We had our first pastoral assignment in a church in the Dayton area. It was time for vacation Bible school, and this particular year, we decided to write our own. So uh, we used a kind of a spy kids kind of theme. 
and we created this uh, a vacation Bible school that had uh, kind of this drama and this skit that kind of told the story, brought us to the last day. There was a villain. Of course, there was a secret agent hero uh, who was played personally by, well, you know, me. <laughs> so on the last day, the villain's kind of looking like he's going to be successful and to win the day. We're getting building up to the, the climax of our story to the point where we will unwrap or finally get the secret briefcase unlocked inside of which will be a Bible which will tell kids how they can become the children of God and, and find uh, this gift of salvation that God offers to us in John 3.16. And during this last scene, if you will, uh, we kind of went um, all out. Uh, we wanted to kind of be uh, this big, uh, exciting story. We wanted to go out quite literally with a bang, so to speak. So the, the script that we were using called for dynamite. And just so you kind of get the feel version, I have some dynamite here this morning. So um, kind of like this Looney Tune version of dynamite. So we were acting out this last part of the scene, and the villain comes in, and we get the briefcase open, unbeknownst to us, that there'd be a dynamite inside, and the dynamite lit much quicker than it's lighting this morning. So uh, one of these little trick candles, there we go. So as the dynamite's burning, the villain's laughing, and we had this little wrestling match, and I get the dynamite from him, and we're, we're kind of going back and forth, and there's a lot of oohs and ahs from the crowd as we're kind of you know, waving the dynamite back and forth, and the kids, some of them are like, is that really real? No, don't you ever watch Bugs Bunny? Of course it's not real. Nothing ever really happens with this stuff. So we're all having this fun time with the dynamite. I get it from the villain. I wear back, and as it's about to burn out, I throw it through the door, and there's this big explosion and smoke. We had a smoke machine on the other side of the door. Just like that. Comes blowing through the door. And everybody's like, oh, how cool is that? And it's so exciting and it was fun. And he's like, that was so awesome. And I'm kind of brought us back to the finishing parts of our story. I finish um, defeating the villain. We move on. Then I noticed it. Um, two of my group leaders sitting over here we're whispering to each other. We're pointing this direction. I got my attention, and I'm still in character. I'm Agent 316, and they look at me and says, Pastor, Agent, there's smoke. Well, of course there's smoke. We just had a, a you know, dynamite go through the door, and then smoke came through the door, and there's a big explosion, and boom, the kids went, ooh, ah. No, Pastor, there, there's smoke over here. There shouldn't be smoke over here. Kind of peak. You know what? There was. What they couldn't see was I had a, a kind of a half wall coming out a few feet. We used it to, for kind of staging for kind of some skits that we did, and we, we used it to hide some props and some different things behind that, that half wall and to step back. Huh. There's a little glow back there. Couldn't be a glow back there. I take another look. No one can see behind this partition but me. So I mosey over. I look behind, and there's this box of stuff. There's some props there, and I pick up a box. And I pick up the box. Whoosh, flames shoot up the wall. Like 20 feet high, which is impressive because the wall was only 12 feet high. And no one can see what's happening but me. All they see is the smoke. So I come out from behind the divider, and I look at my two leaders who noticed the smoke to begin with. I ask them, could you please take your groups Go out the back door of the, of the children's sanctuary, go down the hallway, and go back to the back lawn. Nobody moves. They think it's part of the script. They think I'm still acting. They just sit there. 
Some of them start to cheer. Woohoo! No, seriously. Now I have to break character. Jody, would you please take your kids and go out the back door, go back to that drive, and go back to the backyard of the church? At this point, they finally realize this is real. Miss Jean runs and grabs a fire extinguisher. She brings it up to the front, and we're able to put the fire out before even the last kid's out of the hallway. Of course, now they're really excited. The children's pastor has lit the church on fire. Yeah. You can hear the jokes, right? Boy, it was a really hot day in BBS today. Uh, boy, things were on fire going on. Well, it, was, it was a hot ending, lots of cliches. But I began to happen, what in the world just happened? How do we get fire over there when the dynamite went this way? Then we found it. Looked at the stick of dynamite we used as a prop, and there was no sparkler in it. See, when I did this, the sparkler went that way, and the dynamite went that way, and nobody noticed. Until we saw the smoke. Well, of course, everybody wants to come and see the damage, right? Um, and honestly, it really wasn't that bad. Most of the burning was boxes and props. We did have some smoke stains on the walls. There was some singeing on the carpet. There was a chair rail, a wooden chair rail, that had some burnt kind of hot spots in it into the wood. We did have one casualty, Marvin. He was our oversized orange puppet. This oversized orange foam puppet did not tolerate the heat very well. That was probably the most upsetting thing for the kids of our church. The funeral the following week did help, though. We were able to say goodbye to Marvin. As you can imagine, <laughs> word traveled quickly of what just had occurred. <laughs> and everyone wanted to come and see the damage. They wanted to see what the children's pastor had done. And that's what fire does, church. Fire draws a crowd. Hold on to that part. But I was determined by Sunday, this was Wednesday, that by Sunday there'd be no evidence left over. The next morning, I found the matching paint color for the wall. And I painted the whole wall. You know, sometimes if you just paint part of a wall, you can kind of tell the difference. I painted the whole wall so there'd be no mistake. I got down on my hands and knees, and I started to trim the, the, the burnt parts of the singed carpet. So there, there were still some spots where you could kind of tell that weren't the same, but by and large, you couldn't even see where the, the carpet had been burnt. I got some sandpaper, started to sand down the chair rail, found some matching stains. I got it down below the burnt part, below the wood scarring, but below the ash. When I got done, I stood back. I said, huh, can't even see what happened. Next Sunday, come people come in, and everybody's asking, all the adults are asking, hey, let me see where the fire was. Where was the fire at? I don't know. You tell me. <laughs> There's nothing to see. And they quickly had to look, and I kind of showed them what had happened. Of course, before this was before social media had really taken off, and well, it was quite a story for a long time. And I can't help but wonder, these last couple weeks I've been praying about this, is this for some of us, if many of us, can't relate to this story. At one point in our lives, perhaps there was a fire. Spirit moving within us. There's smoke and people are pointing and they're saying, wow, look at the difference. Look what's going on. There's a glow and flames are shooting out of our lives. Spiritually speaking, but in time, as life often does, we're not careful. Situations or experiences may creep in that kind of paint over the smoke stain. Go through a difficult season where our faith is tested and 
We find life trimming away the singed carpet. We find ourselves compromising or letting Satan have a foothold, giving in to temptation, where Satan shows up and he starts sanding down that woodwork. Before long, you can't even see where the fire has been. Nothing to see here. I can share that because it's been true in my own life. I've experienced it. I've been there. I don't share that in a, to be condemning or to even be convicting. That, that's God's job. I share that to be honest with you. I know what it's like. To go through seasons where the God is so real and the Spirit is so powerful and He's doing things in your life and, and you're growing in your faith and He's taking you places you would never choose to go on your own to do things you could never do on your own. Only to be slowly, methodically covered up. All Satan sees. He's so sly. He knows what he's doing. Begins with a compromise. Begins with just a simple choice. Before we know it, as we talked a few weeks ago, can't even smell the smoke. All we have left is the imitation. The fake stuff. Last September, you may remember, I hope you remember, we talked specifically about holiness. This is a teaching that is the key differentiation in our doctrine. It really is an identifier in who we are and in who God sets us apart to be as a church of the Nazarene. But I pray that this teaching of holiness never gets old because it's at the very heart of who we are called to be as a church. So if these next few moments sound familiar to you, good, because I want them to be familiar to you. A few weeks ago, we began in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, where we see this concept of filling become real to us. But the words that are used to describe the filling that's occurring are each unique, but they're also each very significant in what they tell us about what it is God is doing and still doing in our lives today. Beginning in verse 1 of Acts chapter 2, when the day of Pentecost came, when the day of Pentecost was fulfilled, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. We see two fillings occur in these first two verses. The day of Pentecost came, the day of fulfillment, the day was fulfilled. It, it speaks to a time coming to fruition. It's a Greek word, sumplereo. Sumplereo means to bring to completion. So in essence, the calendar is full. Now is the time for the Spirit to show up. We all have those calendar moments in our lives. We call them kairos, chronological time moments when God shows up. One of those moments. The day of Pentecost is 50 days, if you will, after the Passover. This is significant because in the 50 days there was another feast in Jerusalem. So pilgrims were coming to town to celebrate the Pentecost, if you will, this time of harvest. And as they're in town celebrating, God has another part of his plan. He's beginning to unroll. We then keep reading in verse 2, suddenly a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They, as the 120 believers, were waiting and praying on the promise that Jesus had made to them. This word filled is a different word, pleiro'o. Pleiro'o speaks to be filled to capacity. It's kind of like a, to be filled by to volume. The room could hold so much volume. And this, this is, there's an important distinction here because what's happening is that the sound fills the room, the pleiro'o. 
So the room is now filled. And this is significant for us because for many, when we come to church on Sunday, this is what some of us want. We want the Spirit to fill the place, right? We, we like that. We, we enjoy those times of worship when we can feel God's presence. Presence is always here, by the way. So the feeling of his presence really has little to do with him and much more to do with ourselves. Okay, Another sermon on a different day. We want the room to be filled. We like how that feels, right? We like to worship. We like to, to feel his presence. We, we, we just love those moments. They're, they're animated and they can be emotional. They can, be, be, they can remind us of times in our life when God has shown up and done a work in our lives. I get that. The danger comes when that's where we stop. Lord, I want you to fill the space. Because there's more that he desires to do. That he needs to do. This is the feeling many come wanting, expecting. See, we like the present, we like the idea of being in the presence of the Spirit. But we stop or we draw the line at wanting God's presence in us. God, fill the room. Give me a refreshing. Lord, don't fill me. Maybe we don't recognize what it is God's really trying to do. Or maybe we do recognize it, and we're just unwilling to go any farther, to go any deeper. This is all I'll give, Lord. Fill the room. I'm going to continue to go doing what I want to do. It'll come back to us here in just a few moments as we dig into his word in the book of Revelation. First, we need to recognize, say, the Spirit has already been poured out. There isn't this emptying and refilling of a spiritual bathtub. The Spirit is here. The sound is still around us. It's in this place. There's nothing we do, no action we take, that brings about the Spirit's refilling us in this way. God's already done the work. God's already filled. It's when we recognize the Spirit's presence that we begin to hear Him and respond to Him in new ways. It's not a new outpouring, but a new recognition, a new response to an already poured out Spirit. Aren't you thankful for that? God's Spirit is always with us. He's always waiting to do what he's always intended to do through the giving of his Spirit. Well, this is exciting news for the believers, not even the best part. The best part happens in verses 3 and 4. When we read, they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. See the word filled again, but this is another Greek word, a different word. In this moment, we see the kingdom of God. In this moment, we see the shift from the old covenant to the new covenant. It's in this moment where God is no longer just going to walk with us, but God is now going to walk in us. God's not just going to walk with us in the fire. He's going to walk with us through the fire. This is why spiritual formation matters. This is why sanctification is such a big deal. It takes the, the spirit that's in the room and puts it inside of us. As a member of the church of the Nazarene, as a pastor of the Nazarene, that should matter to you. That's a place of growth. That's a place of development. That's a place of maturity in one's faith. We allow the Spirit around us to move in us. While the NIV Bible uses the same word filled, each usage has a significantly different meaning. This word filled, all of them are filled with the Holy Spirit, is, is a Greek word plato. Plato speaks to being fulfilled, to accomplish, to permeate, to saturate, to soak all the way through, to fill to one's maximum capacity. The focus is on being filled with content, something now present that wasn't present before. 
be filled by His Spirit. It requires a complete, total permeation and saturation of His Spirit into self. All of them in that upper room that day were saturated with the Holy Spirit. They were dripping. They were soaked by the Spirit. And this is a sanctification moment, an emptying of ourselves and an indwelling, a filling by God's Spirit. There's fire in those moments that, that burns within us, that leaves smoke stains on the walls, that singes the carpet, that burns the chair rails of our lives. Timing's perfect. The people are in town for the Pentecost, the crowd, the pilgrims, all oh, the potential. We read, continue to read in Scripture that they began to speak, speak in different languages, and the language were necessary to share the gospel with all the different people that were in town. And what this shows us is that, that, that the Holy Spirit is given, and it teaches us that that when the Holy Spirit's given, it's not for our purposes, not so that we feel good, it's not so we can be, have a better life, to fulfill God's purposes. He gives His Spirit so that we could be equipped and able to do what He's called us to do. So thankful for that. There's things He puts upon my heart, things He tells me to go and do, that I'm just saying, Lord, I can't do that. You know what God says? You're right. But you don't have to. I'm going to do it through you. All I have to do is be obedient, to be willing. Go where it is that he wants me to go. The Holy Spirit was already present in this sound-filled room. But the believers were prepared. They were ready. And they allowed that spirit in the room to then move inside of them. This plethos filling of this already present spirit saturated them and led to the very first revival service. Thousands, Scripture tells us, were saved that day. Peter, who couldn't keep his foot out of his mouth, became this articulate speaker, not because of his ability, because of the Spirit in him. I don't do what I do because I'm good at this. I don't know if I'm good at this or not. I'm just throwing that out there. I do what I do because of what God wants me to do, what, he's enables, what he enables me to do. If he's not with me doing this, I shouldn't be up here. When you smoke meat, about a left-hand turn, <laughs> the smoke soaks all the way through, permeates, it saturates the meat. It's not an imitation. You can't fake that. The liquid smoke, it's just on the surface. It's just a teaser. The real thing, well, it always comes out. Let me jump to Revelation chapter 2. We see in God's Word where this becomes important for us. In Revelation, we see these letters that, uh, that, that God and the Holy Spirit reveals to John, these letters to the churches, these warnings, if you will. Uh, some are doing things okay, some are doing all right, some are doing well, some are doing not so well. And we get this warning to the church. This is a letter to the church. Okay, let's keep that in mind. It's a letter for us. If, if we read it for how it's meant to be written and we receive what's in it, we can learn something from it. And in this particular letter, the church to the church in Pergamum, John is given this revelation about what the church in Pergamum is experiencing, what they are now doing. And when we read in, in chapter 2 of Revelation, verses 12 and 13, to the angel of the church in Pergamum write, these are the words of him who has a sharp double-edged sword. I know where you live. <laughs> kind of be a threatening tone, but this is a good tone. The Pergamon was about 16 miles from the Aegean Sea. 
really wasn't known as a travel hub or a transportation hub or even a trade hub. What it was known for was that it was a pagan city. It was a not-so-good place to visit. It was a place where there were a lot of temples and shrines to Zeus and to other uh, gods of the Greeks and the Romans. It was a place where human sacrifice was common. It was a place of darkness, of evil. And if you keep reading in verse 13, I know where you live, where Satan has his throne. There's a church in Pergamum, in the very place where Satan has his throne. And while that may sound intimidating and scary, that's exactly where we are. We are a church in Pergamum. We, we are a church that exists in a world where Satan has his throne, where he rules, where he's been given dominion. But here's this church in the midst of all of this darkness. Why would God choose to do that? Because that's where it's needed. That's exactly where they should be, in, in the midst of this place. And for a while they do well. Scripture even commends them. We read and continue reading in verse 13, Yet you remain true to my name. You did not renounce your faith in me, even in the days of Antipas, my faithful witness, who was put to death in your city where Satan lives. And we read about Antipas uh, earlier on in the Gospels, who was a martyr for the faith, who did what he was supposed to do, and he's killed in Pergamum. That's where he's martyred. That's where he's a Christian. He's been killed. So the church in Pergamum was under constant persecution. But in the midst of this persecution, they're faithful. They're doing what they're supposed to do. Uh, they're, they're true to God's name. And they're doing things well. The problem with being a church in Pergamum is that you're surrounded by Pergamites. I just made that word up. You're surrounded by those who don't share your beliefs. You're surrounded by those who really don't want you to succeed. And over time, we think Satan sees just this bold, he's just going to come and attack the church with swords and clubs and and, and dynamite and whatever else. He doesn't work that way. He's much more sly, much more intentional. And you continue reading in Revelation chapter 2, and we begin to see what's happening. We get to the word verse 14, nevertheless. <laughs> Talk about a sharp, right turn. Nevertheless. God reveals to John, I have a few things against you. There's some among you who hold to the teaching of Balaam, who taught Balak, who enticed the Israelites to sin so that they ate food, sacrificed idols, and committed sexual immorality. Balaam, if you remember in Numbers chapters 22 through 24, was, was one who was trying to turn people away from God. Balak, we, we read in Revelation, was enticing people to sin, tempting them. You ever been enticed? Enticed is to be attracted, to smell good, to be drawn to. Not just something, oh, I don't want to go into that. We all can turn away from things that we think are harmful. Oh, but Satan, he's so good. There's these Baliks in our life that entice us. Just a taste. Well, just once. Well, just try it. Everybody's doing it. You, you, no one will even notice. You're in Pergamum. Everybody does this stuff. What we find is the church begins to give in. Begins with one choice, leads to another. Before long, you've invited enticements into your life. Take the enticements with you into church. It begins to paint over the smoke. Sexual immorality, 
have a lot of conversation about that. Of course, to trim away the singed carpet. Or the long Satan's throne it was outside. Kind of slid into the back row. Nothing against you sitting in the back row, don't get me wrong. <laughs> Just slides in. Maybe he sits in the front row. Standing down on that weekend. Before you know it, nothing to see here. Where there was once fire, where there was once evidence of the Spirit's moving, has now been covered up. Now, what, what is that pastor? Don't you just read? He says, don't eat the food sacrificed to idols. I don't do that. I don't do that either. Or do we? What would happen in pagan cultures is they would have these sacrifices, and the priests and the worshipers would take the meat that was sacrificed, and they would share it amongst themselves. That was something God prohibited his people to do, uh, except in a few specific instances for the priests themselves. But in this particular instance, what was left over then would be taken to the marketplace and sold. Don't miss this. Please don't miss this. What was offered to the pagan gods is then consumed. What's left is then taken to market and sold. And this is where we get in trouble, church. As we consume the things of this world that have been offered to a pagan god. Sorry, I'm getting fired up. Sorry, not sorry. Here's my fear. Is that many of us can speak to these, this moment of fire in our lives. But we've been enticed. Be it our entertainment, be the things we consume, be it the way we treat others, be it the things we take for granted. And we just go and we just have a taste of that of that offering, just a little bit. We just want to smell it. Before long, we're there all the time buying it off the shelf because we, we got to have it. We show up to church on Sundays if nothing's wrong all the while during the week. We're buying the sacrifices that are left over that have been offered to the pagan gods. Are you with me? You understand what God's telling us? We read this and we say, well, that doesn't apply to me. Yes, it does. When we understand what's really happening, what God's trying to protect us from, it becomes obvious. Sexual immorality in our culture, can I just be honest, it's rampant. It's everywhere. It didn't start that way. It didn't start that way. Now it's on every TV, every screen, every billboard that you see. It's there. Because <laughs> we've been quiet for too long as a church, we've been enticed. We accept it. If, if you're a parent of a daughter, it's hard to buy clothes for them that are appropriate. Okay, it's hard. It's enticing. I'm, I'm not trying to, don't get me wrong, don't, don't, let's not get off track. It's easy for me to do. Church, I think there's some that are guilty of eating food sacrificed to idols. We've been enticed. We've let it in. We've become a Balaam sympathizer, as we see in Revelation chapter 2. We've rationalized or we've justified. We're really good at that, aren't we? Justifying the choices that we make, the things that we allow into our lives. We've made them make sense. We've created a nice place for them. We've even prettied it up a little bit. All the while, we're painting over the smoke in our lives. There's nothing to see here. We wonder, God, where are you? Why aren't you moving? Why aren't you doing something in my life? He still wants to. 
this compromise. Here's this church in the midst of, of this Greek culture, the, this place where this Greek and Roman cultures have intersected that was evil, that was where Satan lived. Could there be even a, an ever more blatant description of how bad things were in Pergamum? But for God to reveal through John that Satan has his throne here. It's hard to navigate our culture. Get it. But if we're not intentional, it's so easy for us to get trapped. Started out well, we were faithful, we remained true, yet we still live in Pergamum. Little meat can't be all bad. Little of the world's okay. Little sin, you know, just to fit in. I still believe, I'm still part of the church, and I just left the door open a crack. Verse 15, God continues through John, likewise, you've also, you have also those who hold to the teachings of the, of the Nicolaitans. Same with the Nicolaitans. You've grabbed hold of their teachings. It's not just that you just entice you sample. You've grabbed hold of them, Scripture says. It's not just that you try it once in a while. It's become a part of your life. You won't let go of it. This compromise has become real. And, and when you grab hold of it, it's the opposite of what's true. Go back to verse 6 of Revelation chapter 2, and the church in Ephesus is praised for resisting the practices of the Nicolaitans. So in verse 6, they're praised for resisting it. We jump down uh, to, to the church in Pergamum, and they're starting to grab hold of the teachings of the Nicolaitans. Not a good direction to go in. Before you know it, we start to paint over the smoke. We trim away the singed carpet. We even allow our compromise, our justification to sand down the burnt spots. We slowly remove all evidence of the Holy Spirit's presence in our lives, even covering the smell. All that we're left with is imitation. And when this happens, when this happens, church, here's what, <laughs> I don't want to misspeak. When this happens, well, we, we get the play the row of filling. God filled the space. I want to feel good. I, I want to I come and worship. Worship. Fill the room. But he can't fill you. He can't fill me. Because it's too full of myself. The only way that he can fill me is if I intentionally say, God, take it. Take it. See, when I've allowed Satan to paint over the cover-up, I can come and be satisfied with the play with row filling. Get used to that. It require anything of me. But I'll always be lacking the playful filling. I'll let the spirit in the room, but not inside of me. been there been enticed I've sampled tasted but after a year of being together as I look forward to our next year together we can't be we can't get to where God wants to be we can't be who this community needs us to be if we're just content with God filling the room and I'm not satisfied with I'm called to let God first fill me 
and then teach and give the opportunity for God to fill you so that we together then can be sent to go do what he wants us to do to the people that need him, to the people that live in Pergamum, the people that are bowing down to the throne of Satan that are in our town, in our community. Every year I have to give an annual report. Got back from General Assembly where we heard some of the culmination of all of these reports. And part of that report is I have to report on what's called sanctification. The big word we use in the Church of the Nazarene that speaks to this work where we allow God to fill us. That's a difficult thing to report on because it's not like we keep tabs or ask you to raise your hands or fill out a form at the end of the year. And I'm not going to do that. But what I am motivated to do is to preach holiness and to share it in such a way that we can choose to be sanctified. The real evidence of sanctification is not what happens here. This is a beautiful expression of it. The real measure of it is what happens out there. What happens out there. That's where we see fruit, the work of God in our lives. Here's where we are. <laughs> I got more here, but I think you've heard enough. We live in Pergamum. We are enticed. We are tempted. We are also people that bear witness to God's work in our lives, to fire that has once raged in many of our hearts. And I'm thankful that in some of you it still does. I, I'm not casting this blanket, uh, I'm not casting any judgment, I'm just sharing it with you. I recognize and I see God working, I hear your stories and I thank Him for it. But I believe some allow a little coat of paint to cover the smoke. I think others have allowed a little bit of trimming of the singed carpet. Still more that have allowed this, the burnt parts of the wood to be sanded. Here's what we're going to do. As we pray today, pray for you. I'm going to pray that God works in you. And I'm going to be down here praying. That's where I need to be. Asking God to rekindle that fire. Keep it burning. But I still live in Pergamum. And I need him to go with me when I leave this place. He's not just in this room. He is all around us. He's always there for us. Aren't you glad for that? And perhaps this morning you need to, Lord, I'm sorry for the paint job I've allowed in my life. Lord, I need you to <laughs> fire me up yet again. Here, church. As Amy comes, we're going to worship him this morning. We're going to respond to him. I'm not going to send you a survey. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand if you've been sanctified. If you are and you have, I, I want to know. I want you to tell me. We're going to praise God for that. But I'm not going to come and sing you. I don't think that at all. But I do want us to respond in prayer as he speaks to us this morning. Stand with me. Father, it's easy for us, just like those that lived in Pergamum, normalize uh, this sinful behavior around us. Rationalize, even to justify it. But in so doing, Lord, we water down what it is you've done for us. We push you out. We let Satan in. I pray, Father, your spirit, I know it has been, pray you will continue to do 
Pray, Lord, for those that have a story, a testimony of when that fire burnt within them. They can remember the day. They remember the service. They remember the place. And, Lord, maybe they're just now becoming aware of it even today of what's happened, what slowly has occurred, what's been covered up. Lord, once we become aware of it, we have to respond to it. I pray, Lord, we would choose today to come and let you fill us anew. Fire us up yet again. Maybe there's some here this morning, Lord, that have never taken that step. This idea of sanctification, being filled by your Spirit, is a new concept, a new idea. They've been forgiven of their sins. They found salvation through the blood of Christ. Now, Lord, they, they recognize, why do I struggle doing the right thing all the time? Oh, because I've got too much of me in me. Lord, they can choose this morning to empty themselves of themselves. Receive the place of filling of the Holy Spirit. Father, as we worship, we respond to you. May we not get caught up, Lord, in music or in our neighbor or what's going on around us, but just may this just be between us and you individually. Fire us up, Lord. We still live in Pergamon. God, I'm tired of Satan winning. Victory's already been won. We just have to choose which team we're going to play on. Today, God, I choose you. Spirit speaking to you, I invite you to come. Pray. Let him fire you back up again. Worship. your 
disciple in your truth. This world is empty, pale, and poor compared to knowing you, my Lord. Lead me on, I will run after you. Lead me on, I will run after you. Father, I thank you for speaking to us today. the response of your people for the filling Lord you've done this nothing we do what you do we just create the space we just allow ourselves to become the vessel Lord I also believe sense feel there's some having this argument with themselves right now if not with you they'll argue with you trying to convince themselves that this isn't them, doesn't apply. Their stuff is okay. Or they know it's not, and they just still aren't going to change. <laughs> Thankful your grace, Lord, is patient. Gives us room. Father, I pray we wouldn't say no too long. Not want to drag these moments out heard from you. We've been given a chance to respond to you. I pray, Lord, as we go, you'll go with us. The dialogue will continue, Lord, and the work will continue, and the filling, Lord, will continue. Lord, the beautiful part of being filled to capacity to our max, Lord, is we begin to spill over a little bit. That's what we see in Acts chapter 2. See your kingdom grow. See people saved. What are you going to do, Lord, in us today? Thank you, God, for being with us this morning. For the work you've done. You continue to be glorified through the lives of your people. Add to our story. Give us a testimony. Give us an opportunity. Share with someone. Your grace and your love, the hope we have. love you. Thank you, God, for the gift of your spirit, for the filling you offer, for wanting, for choosing to use someone like me. In Jesus' name we pray. God bless you today. As you go, go filled. Tell a dad joke or two. Someone smile. Great day. Bless you.